to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Welcome back to God, Coffee, and Resilience, another day, another podcast. So I am your host, Reese, and today we have a very, very unique guest with us, Dr. Robert Saul, but we're going to call him Bob today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm very well. I hope, I hope you are. Yes, I'm doing well. I can't complain. Guys, I have to tell you how unique he is. He is the first doc we've had on the show. I'm so happy. Um, So um, Bob Saul was born in Chicago and grew up in Chicago, later moved to Colorado, um, had the training done at Duke University Medical Center and genetic training done at Greenwood Genetic Center. And now he is a professor of pediatrics um, at Prisma Health Children's Hospital Upstate and the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Greenville. South Carolina, which is was like three hours away from Florence because I used to live in Florence and I went to school in Myrtle Beach. I went to Coastal. So that's kind of like my neck of the woods a little bit. <laughs> so I'm excited to see that. And he has a couple of books, guys. You ready? So My Children's Children, Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine, all about children and thinking developmentally, nurturing wellness in childhood to promote lifelong health. And then later on, he partnered with Dr. Andy Gartner and published um, a book for the American Academy of Pediatrics um, and then Conscious Parenting Using the Parental Awareness Threshold was published March of 2020. And 2020 gave us nothing but time and opportunity to be useful and productive and do all the things, even though we were going stir crazy being in the house, but he published another book. And so I'm excited because I wrote one book but to have such an outstanding list, like your accolades is like, whoa. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you here and to share your passions and everything with us. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Let me uh, sort of give you some background to my journey uh, to led me to uh, writing and uh, getting involved, because I think it sort of gets to what you're trying to uh, get out of me, uh, in terms of a positive message and resilience. Um, I finished my training in, uh, training in both pediatrics and genetics and started in private practice in 1979, um, and was very involved, uh, in my practice. I wanted to be the best darn doctor they could, there, that could be. I wanted to, you know, whenever anyone came to see me, I wanted them to go away with feeling like, whoa, I just saw the best doctor I could see. Um, but I realized after about 14 years, I wasn't engaged in my community like I should be. Um, so I, I heard somebody give a talk in 1993. Uh, and in that talk, he emphasized 12 words that have in many ways have been my mantra going forward. For anything that happens in your community, I am the problem. I am the solution. I am the resource. So what that tells me is that what's happening 
whatever's going on in the community, I need to take ownership in that. It's not their drug problem. It's not their teenage pregnant problem. It's not their homelessness problem. It's my problem. I need to be part of the, I need to recognize ownership in that problem. I need to be part of the solution, but to do that, I need to devote my resources. So I got involved with this, with various things in my community and thought I was doing a great job. Uh, and then six years later, Columbine hit. Two, two teenagers walked into a high school, massacred yes. 13 people and killed themselves. And I asked myself, could that happen in my community? And the answer was yes. I asked myself, what have I done to help prevent that? And the answer was not enough. So then I was really in a quandary as to, as to what to do. And I just put pencil to paper because back then that's what we did. Uh, we didn't have keyboards or we had typewriters, I guess. The, uh, and uh, I wrote it in an op-ed piece for the local newspaper uh, about what we could do and about how hate has sort of taken over and about how we don't do well in terms of supporting each other. And I came up with what I articulated to be the five steps to community improvement. Learn to be the best parent you could be, get involved, stay involved, which is different than getting involved. Sometimes it's easy to get involved. It's, I think it's very difficult to stay involved. Yeah. The one that's the most intuitive, but the hardest seems to like the hardest in, our, in today's society is love for others, especially in our divisive society where it's, we seem to be us versus them. Uh, and then the fifth one, which is the hardest, is forgiveness. And so if you'll let me, I'll sort of go through those to try to explain what I'm talking about. Over the, the following 12, 13 years, I wrote over 160 op-ed articles. Um, and uh, that was the basis of my first book. And it was, each of these articles was sort of about the five steps to community improvement. And I was, the, they were in many ways just sort of a journal for me, what I should be doing. I sometimes let my wife read them before I sent them to the newspaper. And she goes, Ooh, I don't know about that one. That sounds a little preachy to me. Uh, and I said, I don't know. You don't understand who I'm preaching to. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I'm preaching to myself. And if this has any benefit to other people, great. But this is hopefully going to make a difference for me going forward. What are each of these action steps I can do? So uh, step one, learn to be the best parent you could be. I chose those words carefully because parenting is a learning experience. It's a lifelong learning experience. I heard I yes. was, heard someone today talk about how, oh, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. I don't worry about that anymore. I said, oh, contraire, bon ami. Uh, you, you, you're always parenting. <laughs> you're, whether it's your adult, adult children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, if you, if you give up on that journey, you've, you've given up. And learn to be the best parent you could be. Not everyone has the same capabilities for a variety of reasons. Uh, might be uh, educational, might be socioeconomic, might be social and emotional. Everyone has issues that are going on. And so my job, early on in my career, I think I probably sort of told people what they should be doing. And that's what young idealistic pediatricians did. They they sort of read the books and they were got training and then they told people what to do. Uh, well, you know, 40 years can 
can change your perspective a little bit when you realize you need to enable people. You need to empower people to be the best parents you could be. And in many ways, much like in your profession, our job is to gently peer behind the curtain ever so gracefully uh, and with mercy to try to see what's how you can help them, not tell them. So that was step one, learn to be the best parent you could be. Step two is get involved. It's important as a citizen uh, to get involved. Citizens care for each other. Citizens care about each other. Citizens take care of each other. And that's the only, the only way you can do those things is by getting involved. And then you have to stay involved because your initial focus might change. I mean, you're not going to be a, a Cub Scout den leader for 30 years. Right. I mean, as your, as your children get older, you're going to change the focus. Uh, so you need to stay involved. And again, that's hard. Again, love for others, whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith, I, I think right. it just goes that that's what we do. That's what human yeah. beings should be doing. Uh, but the most difficult, I think, and the one that's been a real journey for me is forgiveness. Um, yes. And because forgiveness evolves, uh, that is, we try to uh, learn about forgiveness. So when the four-year-old whacks the two-year-old upside the head and mother shouts at him and says, tell your, tell your sister you're sorry. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. Um, that's different than what a 14-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 44-year-old, an 84-year-old should be doing in terms of learning about forgiveness. And if you haven't read, you probably have, but this great little book uh, by Mitch Album called Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, Maury Schwartz was a, prof was a professor at, uh, in, at Brandeis University, and Mitch Album, who was a uh, sports reporter, uh, sort of found he was losing his way morally after he got out of college. So he looked up his old professor who happened to be dying with ALS. And so if they got together every Tuesday and had sort of the lifelong lessons from, from Maury, Tuesdays with Maury. But in one of the take-home messages for me there is for forgiveness, forgive yourself first, forgive yes. others and do it and do it now. Uh, because those steps are, if you're ever going to sort of work toward taking, you know, empowering yourself to be the best person you can be uh, and for reconciliation and, you know, the whole process of reconciliation, again, is something that we should be working on our entire lives. The only way you can go down that path is with forgiveness. So it's been a real, uh, at times, it's still a struggle for me. I mean, my father was an alcoholic. My he verbally abused my mother, uh, even though he's been dead for forty years now. There still are times when those emotions well up inside me, um, yes. and I realize, okay, uh, practice what you preach here, Bob. <laughs> listen, listen to your inner voice uh, and try to uh, work through this. Uh, right. Funny, my wife. Sometimes when I say some things about some something or somebody, she said, "Ooh, that's not what you write about." I mean, so it's so it's nice to have that external judge uh, reminding me. But the other important thing with forgiveness is, and it isn't a personal forgiveness, and sort of interpersonal forgiveness is social forgiveness. Um, 
And I mean, so the example, a prime example for me is the American Medical Association. I don't know when this stopped, but initially the American Medical Association, I presume prior to the Civil Rights Act, did not allow black physicians. Um, now, when they, they finally allowed black physicians, and 15 years ago, I think it was about 15 years ago, they wrote an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association acknowledging what they did and how wrong they were. Now, it would have been easy for all those people, all those leaders to say, wasn't me. I didn't do it, but it was us. And it's important for us to help sometimes recalibrate our moral compass as an organization uh, going, going forward. It's, it's a particularly difficult uh, thing in South Carolina now uh, because of the Confederate flag. Uh, and it's it's very difficult. I mean, for, for that symbol to not be seen as the horrendous uh, symbol it is, um, it takes um, real fortitude to recognize it wasn't me, but it was us, and we need to uh, go forward. So, you know, learn to be the best parent you can be, get involved, stay involved, love for others, and forgiveness. And those things are a journey. Um, that sort of took me. Then uh, the one book I published from the American Academy, Pediatrics, was more of a science book uh, looking at early brain and child development, uh, looking at the science of that, and then how we could use that to do better for our children going forward. Then that took me to the to the most recent book, and I will let you get in a question here uh, eventually. The uh, no, you're doing great. uh, (laughs) <laughs> the 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 most recent book is uh, conscious parenting uh, using the parental awareness threshold and what in the well i retired the end of last year but for the last uh, 8 years of my career i i changed institutions and at that institution they had leadership training and that at that leadership training they had this paradigm they called conscious leadership and for when you're above the line you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn. When you're below the line, you're closed, you're defensive, and you're always right. And the whole point about conscious leadership is just knowing whether you're above or below the line. As human beings, we're going to be above the line, we're going to be below the line. uh, And the whole point is trying to recognize when we're below the line, how we can change and get above the line. Now, you and I have both been at that three o'clock meeting where we have said to ourselves, oh, this is the most boring meeting I've ever been in. <laughs> when is this going to be over? Um, and w- when we do that, we're below the line. And, and, yes. and so, yeah, so so we can either elect to stay below the line and say, well, I'm below the line and I just can't wait for this to be over. Or we can say, you know, I really am below the line. How can I change my behavior? How can I be more attentive? How can I be more interactive uh, to be a positive contributor instead of just a negative bump on the log uh, in this in this meeting? I felt that the same paradigm is very useful in parenting. And that line, I've called it the uh, the parental awareness threshold. When you're above the line as a parent, you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn, you're ready to listen to your children. When you're below the line, you're closed, you're defensive, 
because I said so, I'm the parent. Right. Um, and as parents, we're up, up above and below this parental awareness threshold. But to me, the whole point of parenting is to recognize where you are, you are, to be consciously aware of where your child is, be consciously aware of the relationship, and how can you do better? Uh, for, to do that, you have to know a lot of, about the development of children and teenagers. Uh, it's not an innate ability. It takes instruction. Uh, it takes work. Um, and yes. uh, hopefully a lot of uh, people uh, you refer to their trusted medical professionals uh, to help with that journey. But there's certainly a lot of counselors, pastors, uh, folks that are certainly there to help along the journey. Because to me, the take home message to me from parenting is raising your children to be good citizens. I think we have lost track of that in our society. Um when my parents divorced when I was young, I remember my mother saying, I just want you to be happy, Bob. I just want you to be happy. And if it had not been for her example, I could have just gone off on my own selfish ways and done whatever I wanted to. But fortunately for me, she was there and providing a positive example uh, for me to go forward. Um, so I realized and uh, my first marriage uh, dissolved into divorce. And I, I found myself saying the second thing to my oldest son, I just want you to be happy. And then I, as I got into this five steps journey, I realized, no, I've got this all wrong. What I really wanted to do is be a good person, be a good citizen, care for each other or care for other people, care about other people, empathize, and then they will be happy. Now, that's a bit simplistic. I understand there's lots of confounding things along the way. But if if your goal is to be a good citizen, I think happiness is a great uh, side effect uh, of that. It is. And there are multiple bumps along the road. Um, so to use that parental awareness threshold, oftentimes, because sometimes, sometimes as parents, we get into very difficult situations where... Right. It's tough. Um, and that can be as simple as that the mother of a three-month-old who's colicky, how does she mm -hmm. keep from hitting the baby uh, if she doesn't have good support because she is just so worn out? Or the, or the mother of the two-year-old who's having a temper tantrum. Uh, in that temper tantrum, he whacks her upside the head. Um, right. You have to sort of the sort of the three things I recommend is you sort of this conscious awareness is pause, assess, and then choose. It's best to do it in the moment, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> um, but you also want to do it in retrospect because when you have that circumstance, you know, when you, when sometimes we'll reflect either later that day or later that week, you know, you know, that did not go well on Tuesday. What can I do? What can I do better? Um, and so right. you need that trusted, you need that trusted either professional or friend or spouse or relative or uh, sister, brother, aunt or uncle that you can say, you know, this is what I did. What are your thoughts? What could I have done to do better? Uh, I don't think this system is coddling children. I know a lot of people say, well, you just need to tell kids what to do. And because uh, I don't think parents have all the answers. Uh, no. And so I think it's a real inter it's a real interactive process. Um, and 
you know, that one of the important things with that is you don't use corporal punishment. Um, right. Corporal punishment sends the wrong message for s- several reasons. One, it teaches a child that when you're angry, it's okay to hit somebody because the only time you use corporal corporal punishment is when you're angry at them. Um, and then two, we do know from scientific evidence that children that are receive uh, physical punishment are more likely to do the same when they grow up, either yes. to their children or to other people or spouses. Um, and I use, and you know, every once in a while you'll hear someone say, well, my daddy gave me a good whipping and boy, I, it taught me a lesson. Well, okay. But let's look at this analogy. Not everyone that mm-hmm. smokes gets lung cancer, but it certainly increases your risk. Mm-hmm. Not everyone that is in the, is a recipient of physical punishment becomes a physical disher outer when they get older, but it certainly increases their risk. And I don't want to take that chance. I just don't want right. to take that chance. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, geez, I come across some parents um, because I guess in in my practice, my supervising physician is trained in child and adolescent psychiatry, and she's kind of forensically trained as far as like therapy and report and all that goes. Um, but she didn't go to medical school in the state. She went to medical school in Nigeria and did um, some of her residency, I think, between the states and London. So um, she's she's very diverse and very well-rounded, but the way she does it, I haven't seen it done by anybody else before, like developmentally, she just, all the the other places I have worked before will say, okay, you get 15 minutes with this patient, 30 minutes with this patient, and you're supposed to go in and assess and figure out what's going on and deal with the parent. And usually it's not really the kid, it's the parent that gives you the hard time. (laughs) And I know you working in pediatrics, you have seen some some people um, when they come in and they're just like, well, my child has this going on and I just need you to write for this. Or my child has this going on. We just need you to do that. But in psych, we have, oh, well, my child just has anxiety and I don't want them taking this type of medicine, that type of medicine, this type of medicine. They can just take this medicine. Or sometimes you see some of the kids and they come in and the child and the parent just have a huge disconnect. And you want to help them like do parent-child interaction work with them. Um, And I do really think that your book would be a great resource. Your website would be a great resource for me to start um, referring patients to because half the time, like I don't have any children, so I don't know how to tell them how to parent. Um, And so (laughs) that should definitely, I think using your book as a resource would be helpful. But I also like the fact that um, some of your resources and things that you have done also talks about the development of the brain and the chemistry and all that stuff um, and parts of the brain and things so that they can understand it's not just a child doing whatever. Um, maybe, you know, they feel this emotion 10 times as deeper than us because right now what's in control is, you know, the amygdala, like Amy, we call Amy five, Amy. <laughs> and so like, you know, trying to get parents to understand that, but you only have so much time, which is what I like at my practice. Now I have an hour and a half with, you know, patients with parents and trying to talk to them. But I think that your book and what you have done, um, would be very helpful to help me understand 
um, what it would be like or some of the things that parents would see or how to talk to them, but also using that as a resource for them, I think would be helpful. And and it's a very, it's a, it's a thin book. It's not meant to be a how to, it's meant mm-hmm. to provide a, a paradigm. Um, yes. And, and, and near the end of the book, I give examples for patient child interactions, basically from birth to late teen years. Uh, because each of those stages is unique. Uh, and again, each unique stage, each encounter has its own unique circumstances. I mean, what, what you're feeling at the end of a, of a busy, hard day is very different than if you would just, uh, than on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and how, that can change how you emotionally, physically react to situations. And then also whatever else is going on in your family, if grandma has a severe illness, if there's this Mm -hmm. or that. So that's why it's so important just to sort of be consciously aware of what's happening. I'll I'll give you an example um, that I, I guess I knew this paradigm before I started writing about it. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I think it's a fun example. One night when my youngest son was seven or eight and he's 31 now, but he did something that I thought was very wrong. And I yelled at him. Uh, he, he just melted into a puddle uh, and went away in the house. My wife got mad at me for yelling. And I was really internally mad at myself for yelling. But we went into that family meltdown mode that oftentimes happens where nobody talks, but just walks past each other for two hours. Um, uh-huh. And so we, um, and then it was time to, time to go to bed. And I was laying down with him. I said, son, I'm so sorry. I think you did something wrong tonight. But what dad did was was very wrong. My reaction, my response was totally inappropriate. And I want to apologize for what I did. Uh, And we're in this. He said, dad, would you stop? I said, why? He said, I hate it when you're nice. So, (laughs) um, so um, So it's, again, I don't say that to, to be, to pat myself on the back, but it just, and I guess I was understanding this whole conscious parenting. Uh, I just uh, was able to years later articulate it and understand it better. So that's the whole point of the conscious parenting using the parental awareness threshold. And if you're a football fan, I I purposely chose parental awareness threshold because it represents the PAT. <laughs> the PAT, gotcha. Lord have mercy. That that was a lot, but it definitely all comes together and makes sense. And I'm hoping that you guys that are listening, um, I know we have some parents in, in the audience listening. Um, please make sure that you make your way to my children's children, children with an S, children.com. Um, it, it has everything that we talked about today, all of the resources on the website. And I'm not telling you to go over there and, you know, get the book just because, but I really do think that it will be a great resource. And me, myself, will plan on getting the book and also sharing um, with my colleagues at work to your website um, because my my SP is super, super big on development and explaining things and breaking it down as you should and trying to get parents to understand and doing a lot of parent work without the child there so that we can get them to understand maybe going back in their family, what it was like for them growing up and different things to get them to see the pattern that has been passed down. And then after we do that, they're like, oh, okay. 
but there's still more work to be done, but there's only but so much time. So definitely, um, I definitely think using your book as a resource would be helpful. Um, Conscious Parenting is the one I'm looking at, but I'm going to share the whole website with the whole office (laughs) (laughs) because that's what we do. We see children five and up, but we mostly see children, children and adolescents. We see a couple of little ones, um, but mostly the adolescents and the suicide rates and everything are just high um, and going up. And it's just, it's a whole lot. So I think this would be helpful because with a lot of the adolescents, the parents are just like, I don't know what happened to them. They used to be or we we used to be close and now we just disconnect. And so I think this would be helpful. Definitely. On top of going to therapy yeah. and doing the work and things. But, yeah, it's it's a it's a journey and it's a learning journey and you have to be receptive to that learning. You have to be willing to alter responses accordingly. Sometimes you shouldn't alter. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, and sometimes that's a difficult distinction, the ability to change and the ability not to change. Um, um, cause you, but you have to really have some guideposts along the way. And that's hopefully what the book is. The books are trying to do in some way, shape or form, but they're, they are not the be all or end all. Yes. No, no, no. But I think it'd be a a wonderful guide. Definitely. And maybe I can take some gems away too. I've already taken a lot of gems away. I think not only can your paradigm be like applied to parenting, but I just think in life, just being able to forgive people and do the right thing and be a good citizen and be there and love on people. I think those are just things that people should live by, like morals, boundaries, all, all the things. And so I think they can be applied in plenty of different um, situations than just than just parenting. So I took away some things from this interview, too. <laughs> well, and you can change the, the, the pronoun in those 12 words from I am the problem, I am the solution, I am the resource to we are the problem, we are the solution, we are the resource. So it's yes. individually and collectively. Right. And that's beautiful. Holding everybody accountable because we're all in this together, definitely, especially during this time. Um, so making sure we're all doing our part. And I think that's a beautiful. If if we have more people like you, do you, you think we can clone you? Do you think we can make more bobs? <laughs> um my my wife would warn you against that. <laughs> oh Lord, how long have you guys been married? We have our 34th anniversary coming up early next year. Okay. Well, happy early, early anniversary. Um, and tell your tell your wife what I said. I'll be interested to see what she says, <laughs> what her response is. <laughs> well, Bob, I think you will probably so post some much. snide comment on Facebook, so I better be careful. <laughs> Well, Bob, I thank you so much for coming on tonight. Definitely. I mean, I think everybody took a lot from what you shared tonight. And hopefully you have inspired all of us to do better and be a better citizen, but also given us the resources that we can use to guide us. And so as you continue um, with your with the passion that you have for parenting and trying to make the world a better place, I just hope and hope and hope that more people take heed to your words of wisdom because 
it's the truth. Like the, the, those five things you can apply to many different situations in life. And if you can live by those things, I feel like the world would be a better place, a, a lot better place. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Those, those, those things were, came from the heart and, and sort of helped define my continued journey here. Yes, definitely. Well, where can people find you? I shared your website, but how can they connect with you if they want to ask any questions or reach out to you in regards to the show or just thank you? I mean, there, there, is, a, there is a contact page on the website uh, that, okay. they, that they can use. Oh, yes, uh, so, I'm looking and, and I do, the LinkedIn. And, Oh, go ahead. I'm if you sorry. if you go to the, yeah, there's LinkedIn also, and if you uh, and I do have a, a blog, so I post to the blog every two to three weeks, and sometimes those are parenting issues, sometimes those are just uh, social issues uh, that uh, um, I think about uh, just different. After I read different books about and I become more socially aware about things, I want to share my thoughts. So. That yes, it's a it's a potpourri of stuff that I have in my blog. Yes, yes. Make sure you guys go to the website that I shared. Again, it's my children's with an s children dot com, and just go check it out, guys. Um, it's a lot of good things on there besides the books. A lot of good information. Um, press, blog, contact, Facebook is on there. LinkedIn is on there. But I know you guys love Facebook, so Facebook's on there. <laughs> You can find Mr. Bob on Facebook, but guys, I, I really did enjoy this interview and I might have to have you come back. And I wouldn't be surprised if my, if my SP wants to meet, reach out to you, my MD and talk and have a conversation with you. Um, because she's just that type of person. She talks to everybody and anybody forever, but <laughs> you be, are speaking her language. To. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to God Coffee and Resilience podcast. I will see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at The Resilient PA, and you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com. Take care, guys.